Welcome to Move Forward Radio, a show featuring interviews with physical therapists and other healthcare experts. This program is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Learn how physical therapists can help people of all ages and abilities reduce pain and improve and restore motion to achieve long-term quality of life at MoveForwardPT.com. Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Jason Bellamy. September 8th is World Physical Therapy Day, an opportunity for physical therapists all over the world to raise awareness about the power of physical therapy to keep people fit, active, and independent across the lifespan. To celebrate this annual event, we're airing two episodes profiling physical therapists and students of physical therapy who have volunteered their services overseas to provide much-needed care in impoverished countries. In this initial episode, physical therapist Karen Sawyer describes the International Initiatives Arcadia University, where she is an assistant professor. Each year, Arcadia sends dozens of physical therapy students to places in need, like St. Elizabeth Parish in Jamaica, where, under the supervision of physical therapists, they help victims of stroke and other neuromuscular disorders to regain function and independence while learning valuable lessons about patient care. As always, information from our guest is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. The second part of our Volunteering Abroad series will air September 8th. Here's our interview with Karen Sawyer. Karen, you're a professor at Arcadia University. Tell me about the program that's involved in taking physical therapy students to St. Elizabeth Parish in Jamaica. Well, I first went to St. Elizabeth in about 1994 with an organization called MMI and I just went personally and professionally to fulfill my own desire to do pro bono physical therapy. During my first trip, I went with an organization that primarily provides medical and dental care, so there wasn't really a niche for physical therapy. I didn't really meet many people that had disabilities for the main reason that they could not get to the health centers. So I went down several months later and decided that I had to shift focus and see people in their homes. So once I did that, I realized there were many people with strokes and amputations and other neurological disabilities that kept them in their homes. I went several times and brought some physical therapist friends with me, and then in 1996, there was one student from the Arcadia, then Beaver College program, that was interested in traveling with me, so she went down for one week. And between 1996 and today, we've sent, I think, about 250 students to either Jamaica, Peru, or Guatemala for anywhere from a one to a six-week experience. So it's really caught fire in our program. Students come to our program because this is an elective that they can choose in their final year. Since 2006, we've expanded to Peru and Guatemala. We have an in-country therapist in Jamaica and one in Peru as well. My primary goal, as I said, was to provide services to those who did not have services, and that's the case in St. Elizabeth Parish, Jamaica. But a secondary goal was quickly exposing students to this sort of pro bono care having them be immersed in an environment that was very foreign to them. And thirdly, and and really importantly, was we wanted this program to be self-sustaining within country. Sometimes that means we would educate local health aides to provide some basic therapy services, such as sitting a walker and wheelchair management. We could leave equipment with them. And sometimes it meant, ultimately, it meant some of our graduates moved in country and lived there full time. So sustainability was a main goal to go along with the student exposure and wanting to provide services to a high percentage of people that need them and, and don't receive them in developing countries. 
we couldn't do this really without our partners. We have three different in-country partners, Friends of the Redeemer, United is in Jamaica, Hearts in Motion is an organization that has been providing services in Guatemala for 20-plus years, and Medical Ministry International that I mentioned before is is our um, in-country partner in Peru. So Jamaica and and Peru have our graduates working there full-time, and Hearts in Motion does have an in-country physical therapist that we work with as well. You mentioned that these trips can be between one and six weeks. What's a typical experience for a student that goes there? Is there a typical length that they do, and what's the myriad of conditions that they may get exposed to in, in these situations? I would say the bulk of our students that go to Jamaica go for a one-week intensive neurological session. It's something that's not all that common even in the States. Valerie Carter from Northern Arizona University has started a program where they would bring in people with stroke and spend an entire week from 9 o'clock to 4 o'clock working with them in an intensive fashion. We've taken that model to Jamaica. So when students go for one week, they're spending 25 or so hours with one or two patients trying to sort of bump them up to the next level of independence, either in ambulation or in being able to manage daily activity sorts of things like washing clothes and cooking and sweeping their house and that sort of thing. So in Jamaica, they live with local families and enjoy all the benefits of getting to live in a very small, delightful rural community. The trips to Peru and Guatemala tend to be two weeks in length, and they provide services to a wide variety of people. Many of them are children with disabilities or developmental delay. A number of them have had amputations, and there's a prosthetic clinic even in in Guatemala. In Peru, it's primarily pediatrics, but also with some adult orthopedic problems as well. So when we make it known that therapists and students are showing up, lots of people show up to see us. They come from hours away to either see if they can get some sort of equipment that they might need or to get some education to help a family member. What's it like to see the people pour in like that? That has to be an eye-opening experience for students, but it also has to be an emotional experience for you. Oh, it is. If I actually thought about it, it would be way too overwhelming to even begin to do anything about because the need far exceeds our ability to provide any kind of complete services. So you have to look at sort of the sea of people and and do a bit of a triaging and then try to see each person individually, spend as much time as possible with them, providing education, giving them equipment, just talking with them, and then move on to the next person. But the needs are great, and one of the things that's most rewarding for me, I think, is the fact that so many of our graduates either then lead student trips so we can send students down and therapists down more often, or they really catch the bug and they live in country. Our director in Jamaica has been there since she graduated in 2004, and she has other new graduates that come down and spend a year or 18 months with her. So having something that's ongoing helps anxiety that comes from too much need and not enough service. You mentioned that intensive care, say, over a week span. Obviously, all those people who come in, they're going to be at different points. So the two-stroke patients aren't going to be exactly alike. But what's realistic? How much can be done in that week? How much progress will be made? Is there any rule of thumb? You talk about getting to the next stage. What does that typically mean? Actually, it's amazing how much can be accomplished in one week. You have to recognize here that in Jamaica, we're talking about highly, highly motivated people that don't have the benefits that we do in the States in terms of access to health care. Many of them may have come out of the hospital and never see a physical therapist and, you know, are maybe in their bed for their life. 
So they're highly motivated. They put into practice whatever we can train them in a short amount of time. And the literature these days is really strongly suggesting that the intensity of practice is what makes a difference. So if we can spend hour upon hour, even just for three and a half days, working on the same sorts of things with people, they learn it, they get better at it, and then it just becomes part of their daily routine. I wish you were talking with some of the Jamaicans because they would report those same sort of things that once they can do it, they keep it, and that's very rewarding for us. Is it hard in that scenario? Obviously, they're highly motivated, and you mentioned they flock when they know there's care there, but that's a lot of time to be spending working on rehabilitation, basically. So is that mentally exhausting? Is that emotionally exhausting for them, or are they so highly motivated that they push through it? I think the patients that we treat are highly motivated. They'll go all day long. I think who gets exhausted is our students because they're used to treating in very short lengths of time. You might see, say, a person with a stroke on an outpatient basis three times a week for maybe an hour, and you might be with them 45 minutes or something. So it's more of the students that have spent, say, a couple hours on the first day with a person with stroke, and they kind of look at you wide-eyed like, okay, I'm done. I don't know what else to do now. So I think the patients will go on and on and on. (laughs) We would go into the evening, I think, with them. It's the students that realize they can kind of pace themselves. They think about what they just did. Was it successful for the patient or not? If it wasn't, how do you make it a little easier? Or if it was, how do you make it a little more difficult? So they kind of do this lockstep dance, in a sense, where the student is kind of leading them to the next level of independence. And to be honest, I don't think the student even knew they could do that before they actually got put into the environment. And that leads to my next question, which is the goal is to progress the patients to the next step, but how much are these students changed over the course of this experience? That's really fun to see because, I mean, to be honest, they all come in really wide-eyed and and you don't see them blink for a while because they're in a culture that they think they should know. I mean, especially in Jamaica, it's the Caribbean. A lot of people have been there to be on holiday or something. They're in a place where, yes, English is the language taught in school, but many of them speak Patois, so it's difficult to communicate in an environment where there is potentially very limited healthcare background, so you don't get the benefits of, you know, what happened with this patient in the acute care hospital or some other environment. All you get is sort of patient report and maybe caregiver report. So the students are there thinking, I've learned all these things in PT school, but none of them are here. What do I do? There's no insurance requirements. There's nothing told to me from the standpoint of what healthcare. So they think they're missing all sorts of things. And what they realize is they can take it back to the basics and just talk with the person, find out what really is motivating for them, what they really want to be able to do. And then they've been in PT school long enough, they can figure out how to structure tasks and activities that specifically address patients' goals and needs. And I would say that's one of the things, I've talked to enough students that have gone and then have never gone back internationally and others that have, but when they come back to the States, they have that focus that you've sort of distilled out everything else on the periphery and you've honed in on what the person really wants and needs and can you help provide it and then how do you structure it so they can get it. So it helps the patients in Jamaica and other places, but it absolutely helps patients that they see stateside because of their new focus. Along those lines, is there sort of a standard piece of advice you give to students either before they go to take these trips or even in the midst of these trips? I mean, is there sort of something you motivate them to do or place you try to get them to reach? Oh, yeah, definitely um, be flexible. The ones that have the most difficulty are the ones that are very agenda-driven, and I know that because I tend to be like that myself. So, (laughs) So stay flexible in terms of, you know, what you're experiencing. Leave each patient a little bit better than you found them. 
the early students that are looking, especially when we're doing home care in the in the earlier days of our projects in Jamaica, they would see patients and would say, if only they were in the States, dot, dot, dot. It's true, but it's not really a useful way of thinking about it. A better way is to look at where they are when you arrive, try to get them a little bit better than when you arrive, even if it's not the high goal of what they would get in the States. And, and just by way of example for that, we would see people that were, you know, had had a stroke and were basically bed-bound. And what the grandmother wanted to do was just be able to get out on the veranda so she could watch her grandchildren play. So how do you think about how that can happen? So that's not the ultimate level of care that they might receive in a first world country, but that's highly motivating to that person, and you do leave them a little bit better than you found them. Their radius within which they can move is now bigger. It may include the whole house, not just a small room. Are there unique challenges in trying to do basic physical therapy in a country like that? You talked about sometimes having to go to the patients, and I'm assuming the less mobile they are, also the the higher probability that you would have to do that. But are there things that either students find or physical therapists, for that matter, find they take for granted small things in the clinic that just aren't there when they're practicing in Jamaica? Well, yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, right now in, in Jamaica, there's a clinic that is staffed and run full-time, and it has been for the past 10 years. But for the 10 years before that, most everything was done, as I said, during home visits. So you basically had your hands and your head and whatever you could kind of look around in your environment and figure out. And it's amazing how much therapy you can do with a, a football, a soccer ball, a football, and an old paint pan and a stick. And so there's a lot of creativity, again, that I think that helps students and actually clinicians also to realize you don't need all the fancy machinery necessarily that we have in the States. You can really do very good care with a minimalist approach. And students, again, you don't forget stuff like that. You know, you've now learned it, you've grown, you're different, you bring it back with you. So that MacGyver-like creativity, I think, is something that the students relish and, and so do the clinicians that go down with us. Absolutely. Paint a picture for me a little bit of what condition the healthcare industry in Jamaica and when somebody's coming in for potentially, I suppose, their first treatment for stroke, for example, do they tend to be far behind what, say, an American person who's just suffered a stroke where they would be? I have to imagine there's often a long period of time when they're getting no care. Yeah, I would say that's one of the wonderful changes I've seen just because I've been doing this for almost 20 years. You know, in the 20 years ago, we would see people with strokes in the hills and their strokes had been literally decades earlier. So we were kind of limited in terms of what we could do. We could perhaps give them a wheelchair. A lot of them wanted to go out and just go around in their community in a wheelchair. So it was much more equipment-based early on. And now because our presence has been there for long enough, the clinician, Brooke Riley, who is there full-time now, is seeing patients that have had strokes weeks ago or maybe just days ago, not decades ago. So that has been very encouraging because now all of a sudden we can use our clinical skills and try treating them so that their motor systems get better. It's not just you're adapting for the fact that they can't move around very well, but you really are affecting change in them. So that's been one of the real benefits I've seen, certainly over time, with this. What do they need most now? Is it an infrastructure change? In other words, do they just need easier physical access to these clinics, or do they need more medical professionals who are there to, to treat the demand? Well, I think they probably need more medical professionals that will help meet the demands. That's probably true in medicine, dentistry, physical therapy. I think one of the pluses of St. Elizabeth Parish, or Jamaica in general, is the fact that it became independent in the 60s, but before that it was British, and the British set up a very good infrastructure of health centers kind of scattered throughout small communities. So even in St. Elizabeth Parish, which has about 150,000 people there in a mountainous area and then in some of the plains area where they grow a lot of crops, there are probably 28 different health centers. So the infrastructure is there. It's just the personnel. They can't seem to staff it 
well enough so there are enough services provided. So how popular is this program right now? You mentioned that you draw students in part because they want to take this elective. How big is the program at this point? It's grown consistently over the last 17 or so years. At this point, it's a two-credit elective that students bear the extra cost for, and we send about 40 students out of a class of 60. So about two-thirds of our students elect to go to Jamaica, Peru, or Guatemala sometime during their internship, which is the last six months of the curriculum. So it has absolutely grown. I think that the students that are coming into physical therapy now care a lot about humanitarian work. They care a lot about living what they believe. So, you know, putting their hands and feet where their mouth is. And I think that makes them just chomping at the bit to do this kind of pro bono service. It's not just community service. It's not necessarily a missions trip like some of them might do through a faith-based organization, but they actually get to use their therapy skills while they're still in school. Many of them came into physical therapy from science backgrounds, and so they probably were not able to study abroad. So they've had this sort of desire to do this for a while, and this is a great opportunity for them. And I would say that it feeds itself. I mean, the 40 students will go this year, and then next year there'll be several of them that will turn around and participate on trips with other former students and new students. So out of, say, the 250 that have been over the last 15 or 17 years, I would say a good 10 or 20% have gone back as leaders. And so it's nice to see it sort of, it grows from within because students love what they do and then they do it as clinicians and their payback is to supervise students on the next trip. Either as an educator organizing these programs and watching the students or just as a physical therapist yourself going back to those trips when you went on your own, what are some of your most positive memories from this whole experience? I think one of them is You never know what's going to happen in any given day. And for somebody that's pretty organized, it's it's really very wonderful. Jamaicans in general are much more relational than I tend to be here. They're not agenda-driven. So, for example, I might get in the, the truck with two students and a bunch of walkers and wheelchairs in the back of the truck and head off to a more remote part of the parish. It could take an hour and a half to get there because of the road system. We might see somebody on the side of the road that obviously had a lower extremity amputation, but I didn't see any assistive device. So we'd pull over and see, do you have crutches? Do you have a walker? We would do this roadside therapy. And then meet that need as best we could, and that person might say, well, did you you see my uncle? He lives over over the hill there. So we would say no and then trek off over the hill to see a man that maybe had Parkinson's disease that couldn't get out of bed and we'd do what we could with that person, and he'd send us to his great-nephew that wasn't eating properly or clearly had some sort of disability or motor delay. So we might start heading off to the hills on one day, and we'd never get there Mm -hmm. because we just went from person to person to person. That's kind of exciting, just to really live in the present and to meet the needs right where you find them. Conversely, we may go to a health center. This was in the days before cell phones. So the health centers wouldn't necessarily know we were coming. The two usual people that work there are community health aides. They're like certified nursing assistants, I guess, but they're well-known in the community. We had done some training of them so they knew some basic treatment techniques and things like that for mobility. We'd get up there unannounced, and the health aide invariably would pull out her list of 10 or 12 or 15 people that she'd been collecting names since our last visit. So she'd hop into our already very full truck and then head into the hills or down into the valleys or something, and one by one we'd see everybody on her list. So she's waiting for the day that we show up, and we just happen to randomly show up. It's just amazing how the days are are really beautiful, even though they're not planned out. We're just moving from one thing to the next. 
I asked you earlier how students are changed by their experience. Have you been changed by all your involvement with this over the years? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I have learned so much more from Jamaicans probably than I've taught them in some ways. They have very little. The part of St. Elizabeth where I have worked, they have very little, and they are joyful people. This is one of the striking things for students, too. I mean, having a lot and being happy, you sort of think that goes hand in hand, but really they are very poor, most of them. They literally don't know where their clean drinking water is going to come from or who's going to provide their next meal, yet they're very joyful just in whatever the day holds. There are times when I will go and try to provide service for somebody, and and there's nothing I can do. All they really want is somebody to sit there and talk with them, something that seems simple to me and maybe insignificant to me. They would just like a visit. Now, so it has made me slow down. It's made me not think so much about my next task or the next thing on my to-do list and to spend more time just enjoying the presence of the people that I'm with. If I can provide something for them, that's great, but that's really not the most important thing. They have a joy for life, a thankfulness, determined motivation to press on and get better and all that 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 I need to bring back. And frankly, if it's been too long between my Jamaica trips, I have to go back because I I need refreshers on those very things that they teach me. Well, Karen Sorry, thanks for what you do, and thanks for spending time with us today. Thank you very much. Don't miss our next episode about volunteering abroad, featuring a physical therapist and student of physical therapy who share their experiences for mission work in Central America. That airs on World Physical Therapy Day, September 8th. To catch that episode, see a video of Arcadia students in action, and learn more about the benefits of physical therapy, visit MoveForwardPT.com. I'm Jason Bellamy. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guests is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Learn more about how a physical therapist can help you and find a physical therapist in your area at moveforwardpt.com. For an archive of past episodes, visit moveforwardpt.com radio.